0: I remember my hands becoming fists and letting out the most horrific howl or screech, I don't know what you'd call it, but it just came out unwillingly. Uh, I instantly fell to the ground thinking, oh god, I don't have a foot. Crystal Gravel was on the second-last
1: day of her first backpacking trip on August 9, 2005, when three storms converged over Ontario's Killarney Provincial Park, peppering the park with lightning strikes. Crystal and a friend were partway down an especially technical descent near the end of La Cloche Silhouette Trail in the pouring rain, trying to get to lower ground when she felt what she thought was her foot exploding. She'd been struck by lightning. She survived, but it wasn't until the next day she learned someone else struck by lightning in the park that day hadn't. On the opposite side of the park, 48-year-old Concordia University professor Victor Rosakati, his 19-year-old son Alex, and Alex's friend Anton had hiked the first 11 kilometers of the trail, arriving at Topaz Lake as the storm clouds rolled in. Topaz Lake is a deep pool of clear turquoise water nestled among tall pine trees and steep white quartzite cliffs. The campsite there is shaded on a gentle slope with a view of the lake and a soft spongy forest floor that's nice to sleep on. It was at that gently sloping campsite next to Topaz Lake that Victor, Alex, and Anton pitched their tent and took shelter from the rain. And it's where a lightning bolt found them later that evening. In the immediate aftermath of the strike, Alex and Anton managed to escape the tent on numb legs. Victor did not. Alex performed CPR while Anton ran for help. At the end of the day, Alex and Anton and Crystal and her friend all survived being struck by lightning. Victor died in his tent among the pines next to Topaz Lake. On today's episode, Crystal will tell her lightning survival story. We'll also be joined by Steve Jones, an instructor with iRescue training who teaches courses in emergency wilderness survival and first aid. Steve has taught countless backcountry explorers how to mitigate risks in the wilderness. And today, he'll share some lightning safety tips anyone who spends time in the backcountry should hear. My sources for today's episode are the articles Lightning Kills Hiker in Killarney Provincial Park by David Helwig in Sioux Today, and Quebec professor killed in Ontario lightning strike by a CBC staff reporter. I'm Megan Delaire. this is Catch Me Outside, and without further delay, let's get to it.
0: In 2005, a good friend of mine and I decided to go on a big adventure. Uh, We'd heard about the La Quoche Silhouette Trail from another dear friend of ours and decided this is something that we had to do. We considered ourselves outdoor people. We loved camping, nature, hiking, but never uh, in our lives had we really done anything like that trail. Uh, Seems simple enough, you know, 78-kilometer loop in over seven days. I think they recommend seven to ten, but our goal was seven days. So what could go wrong, right? I remember planning the trip being super excited. Uh, Obviously, we had to purchase all the new items uh, for a trip, like water filters, cooking gear. I can still see it now, us sitting on the floor in my friend's living room, all of our snacks and everything splayed out. Uh, It was quite an impressive display, making sure we could pack it all in our airtight containers, fit it into our backpacks, and the next day we were off. Seven days was the plan. I remember thinking of all the necessities that we needed to have, and one of the things that my friend was packing was a cell phone. In fairness, her parents were making her take it, but I didn't understand why it was a necessity. It was 2005, um, so (laughs) cell phones, you know, 2005, and we'd be in the wilderness, right? I didn't know really what the chances were of having a signal if something was to go wrong, but it was a requirement, so it came with us. Uh, once we were there, everything was truly exceptional, terrifying and painful, all wrapped up into one beautiful experience. The views of the nature, the calmness around us, was really the the exceptional part. The unknown uh, that laid ahead of us was terrifying. Uh, and the physical pain that we endured as newbies, we uh, we quickly learned. we had to kind of just trudge through. I found most of it to be a blur specific to an event that happened. So we were having fun, hiking, setting up tents, uh, hiding our food, not hiding our food for bears, depending on how lazy we were. But we got to the last hike or the second last hike out. So we had one more night stay and we were coming up to the crack, which is quite a popular place. Um, And like I said, most of it was a bit of is a blur, but at the same time, um, crystal clear <laughs> in certain parts. Uh, so I remember seeing the clouds rolling in, the sun completely disappearing, uh, and knowing we still had an unknown amount of time until we reached our campsite. Uh, we were new and kind of just kept trugging until we found our campsite. But for this one, for some reason we decided to stop. I know there was a lot of internal thought on whether this was a good idea or not, but we did right in the middle of the crack. And if you haven't been through the crack before, it technically is rated highly difficult and not appropriate for inexperienced or unprepared hikers. Uh, clearly we didn't get that information when we were doing our research, Um, so the timing was all perfect. There are large boulders that are broken away from the rock faces that I think kind of act as stairs, uh, but they really must be negotiated and require concentration and effort, uh, which wasn't happening as we were focused on the incoming storm and the loud thunder. So kind of panicking a little bit, but then I remember the most horrific pain ever. (laughs) And I've given birth to two children since, so I can still say that. I remember my hands becoming fists and letting out the most horrific howl or screech. I don't know what you'd call it, but it just came out unwillingly. Uh, I instantly fell to the ground thinking, oh, God, I don't have a foot. Um, So really, I think it took me a minute to realize what had happened um, and finally decided to look at my right foot. It was still there, (laughs) Um, but I was afraid to take off my boot because I thought maybe my foot uh, had exploded inside of it. Uh, I'm making a lot of assumptions right now, uh, and sorry if my science isn't accurate, but my impression is that lightning hit the tree above us, and my friend was leaning against the wall for support I'm assuming touching a root or something, then which passed through her and then through me and out what I believe my right foot, where all my pain was. So my friend didn't really feel anything. She said it was like a small buzz, um, not really painful, and kind of experienced some of the numb feelings as well, just not as significant. Um... I remember thinking that we still needed to keep going. I remember thinking that we have to get to the campsite, but all I could really articulate to my friend, uh, which was kind of funny just sitting there, cell phone, cell phone, cell phone. (laughs) Uh, I said it over and over until she had it out and was trying to connect with the park rangers. Uh, It turned out we were right in the middle of three major storms. It was so significant that they couldn't send anyone to help us. Uh, that in fact we were notified we needed to keep hiking and set up camp and hike out the next day or just continue hiking out. Um, It was up to us to decide which one. So obviously, um, even though I was completely numb and uh, in pain, we decided to just set up camp and go to the campsite. Uh, So everything was completely methodical from there, going to the campsite, setting up camp, Uh, Of course, we were in nice marshy bog lands for our campsite that night, Um, but we fell asleep. That, I guess, really was a bit of a blur, again, what happened, but I know we set up. I know we packed up, uh, and the next day was a bit better. Um, It was our last day out, so we were so proud of ourselves, and even though I couldn't feel my arms and my foot still hurt, out we went um, with with some pride. Uh, Anyone we saw as we got closer in, uh, we were telling our experience, we got hit by lightning. Uh, so it was, it was fun, uh, until, um, sorry. It's just hard to say. <clears throat> until we got the devastating news that someone else had passed because of the lightning. It took us down a notch or two to realize it wasn't funny and that we were very lucky. On our way out, um, we did end up stopping at the station just to check in and say we made it out. And it was quite the buzz when everyone realized we were the two that had called from the crack. Ultimately, we left realizing just what we could accomplish. The enormous sense of accomplishment to reach each campsite each day, no matter how big the blister no matter how tired you were that day, and even setting up shop one more night after experiencing Mother Nature's wrath.
1: All right, Steve. Thank you so much for for coming onto the show and uh, setting aside time on a Sunday to talk to me about lightning safety. So you work with Eye Rescue Training. Yep. Um. Can you tell me a little bit about your role there and and sort of like what your background in in you know the outdoors is?
2: Primarily, I'm a uh, maybe the lead instructor here on uh, some of the outdoor um, wilderness and remote programs or any of the outdoor programs that we do. Uh, as well, the company does. Um, industrial safety training and that sort of thing. So I'm on that side of it. I have a, a foot in in that side as well. So my background is uh, fire services and uh, I've worked with, uh, <clears throat> I volunteer with the ski patrol and uh, um, search and rescue as well. So um, a lot of different things that kind of connect me to the outdoors, apart from just being like, liking to be in the outdoors and camping and, and that sort of yeah. background as well. <clears throat> so yeah, with my rescue training, I, I head up some of the uh, wilderness and remote first aid programs.
1: Uh, wow. Okay. So, so, I mean, the context of this episode and, and the show honestly is, is people who are in the backcountry, country, um, you know, pretty far from, from structures and, and civilization and things like that. Um, so if you're, if somebody is in, the back for an extended period of time say they're backpacking for a week or something like that and mm-hmm. you know it's not a trip that they can cancel because there's a storm coming in what are some things that a person in the back country can do to avoid being in a high risk area or position mm-hmm. as a storm is coming in kind of thing you know as a short of driving home or Teleporting to the parking lot or something,
2: right? Yeah, well, there's a lot of what ifs in there. I mean, it all depends on, as you, as you said, you know, if they're planning their trip, then that that's where it ideally should all happen. And uh, mm-hmm. any of these situations, whether it's lightning or uh, you know uh, hypothermia or any we, or, or safety around working around ice, and uh, we can take any of those modules and, and make a whole day course about it. Uh, right. All of the the common thread with all of those things um, is, you know, pre-planning and, um, kind of your risk assessment or your, your risk management, where going into that, you know, if you are going for a week, you like, uh, be, um, be conscious of what uh, the weather systems are in that area that you're going to. Maybe you're not from around there. Right. And, uh, typically what is the weather like, or, or how quickly can it change? And, um, really that pre-planning, just like you would on a, any 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 job or con- like a construction site right you do a right. hazard assessment before doing the work what can go wrong and how can we prevent it uh is, is th- that's where most of it starts but really if you're in that situation where it catches you out um it's still a what if like what's what's your situation are you are you on a ridge or is there somewhere right to get to so it's it's really again having the knowledge before going in so hopefully we can come up with um go over some of the what ifs and cover some of the, the what to do's before.
1: yeah yeah absolutely and I mean in general it just it sort of sounds like you know um if you know that you have to hike over ridges planning to mm. to be at those exposed points like you know before there should be yeah. any lightning or you know if you're if you're on a climbing trip um not being on the wall but um
2: well, making a plan B too right like if you, you plan to go that that's your ideal thing you want to get to this peak or whatever your, your goal is but um, you have to look at what the, the the goals are but then within that what um, what's achievable and, and certain things can come up whether it's you know a member of the team is, uh, is, is is going slower because they sprained an ankle or anything can happen or we want to stay yeah but um, we have a plan B. Right. If we do right. that or the storm's coming, okay, automatically we switch tracks to, to doing this now.
1: Right. Now. Okay. So I guess one of the, one of the things I'm wondering, um, because I've like, I've encountered this myself, um, just, you know, out hiking. So mm-hmm. say, um, a hiker is not, you know, on an exposed Ridge, but we're, we'll, we'll talk about hikers specifically here, though. I have questions for like paddlers and climbers as well.
0: Sure.
1: Um, okay, so some some people are on really long hikes and they're trying to cover long distances with a certain number of days and mm-hmm. And maybe it's a time of year where you know it's there's electrical storms are common um, or even just like you know maybe you're backpacking for the weekend and you need to get back to your car and uh, and it's the last day sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, is it okay to <laughs> not okay, but like what are your thoughts on continuing to hike during? a thunderstorm as opposed to hunkering down so you know like if you're in a forest or something um, and you're not up on a ridge uh yeah what are your what are your thoughts on people who just kind of keep walking and maybe they just put on their rain gear and right. and hope for the best
2: well again it's it's kind of a what- if we need to know what the i mean if you're in a safe situation uh, and you're going to continue to be in a safe situation if you progress then then why not right uh, but if you're you know, if you're thinking I got across this, well, maybe we need to look at what the hazards are first, right? Mm, okay. Or The the, uh, the biggest variables we're looking at there would be high objects. And that's whether it's telegraph poles or out in, out in the uh, bush, the high mm. trees, you don't want to be near those. Um, water, right? Any kind of open terrain. And then, um, again, maybe not in the backcountry, but anything metal. So you might think, oh, I'm going to go in this shed here or this little, uh, you know, um, cabin here but um it's not enclosed and, and that's a problem you'd, you'd be better off out, outside of it right uh, so yeah it, it those would be the hazards and if it's like a situation where oh no we're not going to get there if we don't cross this big clearing in the middle of a storm well that's like saying well we're not going to get to off uh, this island unless we swim through the the shark infested waters or, yeah <laughs> well maybe but you can't really give you a preventative uh <laughs> absolutely uh foolproof option for that. It's it's kind right. of risky, right? So again, the risk management part of it. Um, yeah.
1: So is is there like sort of a mental checklist or, or, I mean, you know, even a physical checklist if somebody wanted to write it down of questions a person might ask before they decide to hunker down or keep walking? And, and what would be some of the I mean, I guess you kind of just touched on them. But
2: yeah, like, there's um, a lot to unpack there. I mean, Um, if they're worried about getting to where they're going already, that's a problem, right? If Mm. they haven't built in, um, again, the pre-planning to avoid this and other problems, all sorts of things can stall a a trip, whether or not you're in the backcountry. Right. uh, things like, um, normally what we like to, to cover is, uh, we talk about trip planning on our on our courses that's that's a a constant so things like um, i always like to say whether we're talking about food or medication or um, water uh, to always bring say if you're just going for that day trip always to bring an extra two days that's that's kind of the unwritten rule Mm -hmm. Uh, so that means you didn't plan to stay out longer but you're 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 prepared for three days if that happens that you're stuck somewhere for two nights and then if it's a week seven days then we like to to say 10. You packed and prepared for 10. Uh, right. And so so that it kind of extends to, to this situation uh, in, in terms of that and what your plan b uh, would be and being able to prepare. Um, but beyond that um, if you weren't able to do that I mean if you didn't check the weather then in situ you could um, basic knowledge on like how to read the weather. Like what, mm-hmm. what the cloud formations can tell you, like what the what the forecast shows. Again, knowing the weather patterns before going is always nice, but sometimes we know how it is. You get stuck in it. Um, yeah, you don't want it to get to that situation where where it's too late. But but if it is, then you're kind of thinking, um, erring on the side of caution there. And I wouldn't uh, want to rush. You always want to stop and think, right. and make a decision from there.
1: Okay, but some um, particular like hazards or or attractors, I guess, in an electrical storm are things that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, like um, tall trees that could could attract lightning or could fall over, or or open meadows where you'd be sort of a you know the tallest object, um, or water. Like are, are those some things? Like what are some? Yeah, those are things that you'd want to avoid as you're factoring in your decision.
2: Absolutely, and then maybe maybe you'll look at how um, lightning behaves and what, again, tying in some of the misconceptions and things there. So, um, what usually can happen is, is a direct hit. Like if someone gets struck by lightning, that's, that's kind of rare. Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess one of the big misconceptions there is that lightning never strikes in the same spot twice. That's also nonsense. It could, (laughs) and it frequently does hit areas where, you know, say the top of a mountain. Yeah. It's going to keep striking there. (laughs) Right. But, uh, yeah, direct hit. That's that's very rare, but that's usually not uh, not so great if you're on the receiving end. Uh, another thing could be uh, getting a secondary hit. This is one of the two most common ways of, of getting uh, injured by lightning, and that is a secondary hit or what's called a splash, because lightning kind okay. of behaves like water. If you're if you're um you, you're thinking, oh great, I'm not standing, I'm not touching this tree. Um, that's good thinking, but I'm kind of standing close to it. Can I get hurt? Yes. It can, it can hit the tree and splash out like, like, uh, um, you can get hit as it's called a secondary hit. Um, also a transmission can be one where you're actually touching something or you're, it hits, it hits a rock base. And this could be if you're on the side of a mountain and and you're in contact with that. So that's a transmission contact with a a direct hit. Uh, the other most common one is, um, ground current. Mm -hmm. Most common one where, you know, uh, it uh, it again. It behaves like water. It's almost like a ripple effect. Where it hits, it's the strongest, and then as it ripples out, it's um, or gets further away, it's it's not as uh, as strong. Um, and then there's kind of the blunt trauma thing. A lot of people get injured by that, which is the sheer like the shockwave of this thing, the superheated uh, almost an explosion, which is could it could blow someone's clothes right off. It's that kind of force. Wow. That um. So those those are some of the hazards in. and and trying to figure out where, um, where to go is, uh, maybe we can dig, dig into some more of the misconceptions of what might be safe or what people might think is a good retreat when, when in fact, it may not be
1: right. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I have a question about tents, Mm -hmm. um, I've heard, and I've, I've seen not necessarily professionals, just hikers kind of say, you know, like if there's a storm, I'll just wait it out in my tent, my understanding. And you can, please correct me if I'm wrong, is like, you're only as safe as your location. Mm-hmm. Assuming that your tent is in a safe place, and maybe you can tell me what kind of place that would be. Is it a good idea to wait out a thunderstorm in your tent? Or is it is it better to get out and, and get on the ground in the lightning uh, yeah. safety so, position?
2: Yeah, so I would say it does have a lot to do with your your location. And right certainly if you are uh well the tent first of all maybe we can talk about structures in general but the tent first sure. of all is is going to keep you dry and that's it what, yeah which is a big thing you you want to you want to keep dry we've got enough problems right with a situation we don't need uh the onset of hypothermia or anything else if we're walking around after that soaking wet so so but that's all it does it, it keeps you uh dry um which is uh which is a good thing, and, and again, like you said, if you're in, in a ravine or a dark, or a, sorry, a lower area, that uh, that's a good thing. You don't want to be in that tent on the uh, top of the hill in an open clearing. But that's whether you're in the tent or not, that's a bad place to be. And certainly in that yes. situation, tent poles there's metal in them, uh, they would attract. Um, but, but you know, if you're in a safe area, you shouldn't be so worried about that. That's not to say that lightning won't ever hit there, like some kind of fluke, it could but um you know if we're going to be it's the same thing what they say about crouching down if you're crouching down you're you're in a bad situation and you shouldn't have been there your number Mm. is to get to that location that's going to be safer um a a lower uh, set of trees or bush that's that's um sheltered from the higher trees that are more the target Uh, and when you're there um if you, again if you're if you're exposed and, and you're you've got metal objects say in a pack you're, you they talk about putting a full mat down to kind of mm-hmm. i mean that's it's really not going to help you much if there's lightning striking right there but certainly metal, in mm. you know, a metal uh, the frame of a pack is, is not going to help you out uh okay on, being on a pile of rope or something like that is not going to conduct is a good thing uh so yeah it really is about location you know if you're in a structure like a large building uh again the key um, the key, de- the key defining factor there would be that it has to be an enclosed structure. That means the window should be closed, right? Oh, people, interesting. People think that, oh, you know, the window is going to protect me. It, it can come right through there. Um, so we want to, want the structure to be enclosed. So any of these like three sided, um, with a roof kind of, um, I forget what we used to call them. Any of those kind of structures, they're not really good to be in. Uh, okay and say like a lean-to or something like that like that and you know if you're in a vehicle or you know a tiny home or a uh uh an rv or something like that make sure the windows are all up Hmm. uh, with that situation yeah
1: because glass would would be enough to sort of prevent um like that uh
2: it's not a preventative um, it's more like you want an enclosed thing that that um I mean, we, even when you're inside, say a, a home or a house, um, you need to worry about uh, the appliances that are in there. Make sure they're all unplugged. Don't go near them. Right. Um, the the uh, don't take a shower. Right. They can, there's yes. water coming through the house, even though there's PVC pipes. It could uh, it could rip through that. Uh, yeah. And and avoid it 30 minutes afterwards after the storm because things could be electrified. But. Uh, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay, and so. Um, I guess, like, as a little bit of a divergence, because we've been talking about wanting to avoid tall trees and openings and wanting to make yourself small, can you sort of give, for for somebody who isn't aware of, of um, I guess, like, the sort of general science behind, like, not wanting to be a lightning rod not wanting to be taller not wanting to be next to something that could attract lightning can you just sort of give an overview <laughs> like explain to me like i'm totally unfamiliar like why would somebody not want to be in a meadow why would somebody not want to be on a ridge or next to a tall tree as opposed to like in a in a depression or a ravine mm-hmm. okay some you know lots of smaller trees
2: Okay, yeah. So, well, um, again, I'm not a uh, scientist, but uh, right. <laughs> lightning is uh, it's a, it's a powerful force. It's, uh, it's created between, uh, built up between ice crystals in strong storms. And, and uh, as far as I can uh, describe it, there's, there's the negative charge in the, the bottom of the cloud, and then there's a positive charge on the ground. Lightning is pretty much working like a lazy person. That means it will find the easiest way to do something therefore it's taking the path of least resistance even uh in other electrical matters as well it's it's if it's if it's uh, making contact with you it's because it wants to get use you to get to the ground quicker and um so yeah tall objects it's gonna it's gonna be attracted to that um metal objects uh water things like that so um we, we don't want to be exposed if you are say on a um a high, high uh, elevation again it might be striking a mountain the top the peak would be the most dangerous uh point to be uh, right kind of uh, less dangerous but not you're not out of the out of, out of trouble is uh, maybe part way down that uh that right. climb uh, if you can find some kind of um, outcropping that you can kind of get behind and again crouching down because it's a i'm in a bad situation what else can i do position yourself kind of facing down or your feet pointing uh, down the hill so as not to roll the other way and be up so if you're going to roll uh, end up uh, lower down than, than you were oh. but of course not positioning yourself so you can roll right over the edge of the mountain that wouldn't be good right people wouldn't want to tend to think oh you know if i if i run into this crevasse or into a cave i can sit that out so unless you're going to go in that cave really far back and not touch the walls. That whole entrance is going to be lit. The whole interior of that cave entrance is going to be lit up. So that's not a good place to be.
1: Like if there's a strike nearby, sort of thing. Yeah. 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 That's that's what I've heard about um, hiding in a in a cave that you don't want to be there. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. And so let's say let's say somebody is going to be backpacking for a month without without stopping (laughs) without without going into a city and they don't know the forecast a month out They're they're paying attention to the forecast as they go and you know they're in a landscape with all of these features ridges gullies forests Mm -hmm. um those kinds of things so you know they they're they're going to be outside no matter what despite their best planning um so like what is the the best kind of Place that you would want to be um in this sort of hypothetical landscape that has these ridges and and forests and gullies and ravines um when a storm is coming you know if you know tomorrow from 3 until 8 p.m there's going to be a lightning storm um where would you want to be during that time
2: yeah again any any low-lying areas away from metal away from any uh targets like that but um it all depends. Again, it's a what if because if if you are on the water, and it's coming, the idea is you want to get off. But if yeah. if your only other option is uh, a high tree line, oh my goodness, you, maybe you're better off just staying in your in your canoe and just waiting. Really,
1: out.
2: it could be. It's a, it's a big what if, right? There's no guarantees, but you certainly want, wouldn't want to go to a guaranteed strike uh, um, no. zone. Like just because it hits somewhere in the water doesn't mean the whole lake will be electrified. Right. Really. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's like if if you have a um, say a natural disaster and there's there's flooding in an urban area and uh, telegraph poles are knocked over, there's transformers in the water. There's people. It doesn't mean that everyone in the water at that time is is going to be electrocuted. It's again, mm. rip the charge is rippling out. If you get really close to it, that's not good. But if right. you're far enough out, you you know it dis- also dissipates further away. It's it's more a case of like if I'm on the lake and that's a wide open area. There's nothing higher than me. Right. Right. So you want to, if, if you're stuck there, maybe lie down, but again, it's like being in the meadow crouching down. It's like, okay, I put myself in it. Let's just hope for the best. So all you can really do is cover your ears because that's another, um, you know, you can take damage, sustain damage with, uh, hearing, uh, as well. And if you get hit by lightning.
1: Right. And that's okay. So I'm going to ask you about that in a sec, but, um, okay. So, you know, growing up, I've always heard that you absolutely, no matter what do not ever want to be on a boat on the water if there's a thunderstorm, but I've never really thought about the, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the scenario where maybe you're between a, you know, a rock and a hard place or like a lake and, um, a sheer cliff with a ridge or something like that. So, So, um, I guess, yeah. So you're saying if, if somebody, you know, if their best option or their only option is to be on the water, um, the, the, something they might want to do is, is lie down or make themselves small on the, on the bottom of that canoe.
2: Maybe I mean that's pretty desperate, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, like you said, the best thing is to to plan ahead and not be on the water when that happens. We have to
2: be very careful when we say things like that because people yeah. automatically think, "Hey, that's what I that's that's my go to." No, it's not. It's the, don't be right. don't be in that situation where you have having to choose the lesser of two evils.
1: Um, Absolutely.
2: So yeah, and in terms of gauging a storm, you, you know, it, it may not be that, as you said, that you know that there's something coming the next day, but maybe a, a coming. Uh, upon you and so there's other there's different ways that people um talk about uh in terms of knowing how close a, a storm is to them and there's like the flashbang ranging system you might be familiar with
1: is that the 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 the, t- the interval between yeah. um, the flash and the yeah yeah probably. please let please tell me more about this like how can somebody sort of judge or assess the the risk when they when they hear thunder you know like i've heard if you can hear thunder it's already yeah. it's already close enough to strike yeah. you that kind of thing can That's you kind what of
2: cool i mean that? i like to keep it easy and just say if you can hear it and see it then you're close enough to be hit right it can, okay lightning can strike ahead of the storm right so the distance is um you know when they talk about um if you can hear okay between like obviously the flash would be the lightning and then yes bang would be the the thunder that uh there's sound travels um um, every, a mile every, every five seconds. And so they say, if you hear the, see the flash, but you obviously you don't hear anything. And then if you hear it between zero to 30 seconds, then that, uh, comes out at roughly six miles, which by the way is almost 10 kilometers. Depending okay. Depending on your, uh, so the same, um, another method, which is the same thing, really the number of seconds between, if you're counting, divide that by five and that equals how many miles, but again, a rough estimate with that one. And this could also be deceptive because you need to match up the flash to the correct bang. Right. If There's, ah. a, there's a lot going on as well. Right. So we right. keep it easy. If you can see it and hear it, then you should be, you know, not standing around and doing the math. You should be getting uh, yourself to a safer location.
1: Right. So if you're in the front country, you know, into an enclosed building, mm-hmm. um, and if you're in the backcountry, then you know, to a place where lightning is less likely to to be attracted, sort of thing, yeah. and into the lightning safety position.
2: Yep. Start getting the lay of the land and what's the best place to go. But then don't forget all the other factors, right? If you're in the backcountry, we've got wildlife, we've got all kinds of other factors, getting wet, being in the cold, if you're up right. Month, that's pretty serious, right? To make sure that you got everything locked down and so yeah. So it's a lot considered a lot of what ifs, a lot of variables in there. Yeah, for sure.
1: A lot, a lot of what ifs. Okay. So, so I'll give a specific scenario that I experienced if that's okay. And, and I'll ask you if I did the right thing or if I should have done something differently.
0: Um,
1: oh, well, I mean, I know you might, you might need to know more information, but, (laughs) um, so I was backpacking in Killarney Provincial Park in Ontario, uh, in 2020 and I was there for seven days, and we knew there'd be some rain. Um, but beyond that, we didn't really have a full forecast um, until you know, we were there, and we were we were in it. It's a big loop. once you're once you're halfway through, you know you you have to pretty much just continue hiking or hike the same distance back. Um, and on, you know, w- late one afternoon after we had already arrived at our campsite, which was not very high up, sort of near water, but you know, not right on it. We knew a thunderstorm was coming in. So we, we set up our tents, not too close to each other. And, and when the storm came, I put on my raincoat and my rain pants and I brought my foam sleeping pad Mm. and I took it away from where the tents were into a, into a depression And I crouched down and I got in, I assumed the, the lightning position Mm -hmm. and I stayed there until the lightning stopped. I was afraid to go into my tent for two reasons. One, because I had heard the thing about, um, lightning being attracted to tent poles and I, I didn't want to be electrocuted in my tent and two, because there was a tall tree next to the tent. Um, so, so that was what I did in that scenario. Um, would it maybe have been okay for me to be in the tent? Like,
2: Maybe, uh, but you know, yeah. it depends like the, you know, being close to the tall, you want to pick mm-hmm. campsites, right? If, yeah. Um, even if you don't think it's going to be a storm, you know, get in the habit of kind of, uh, you know, picking campsites that are not exposed like that, not too close to the right. water and exposed you know, we, we uh, I know it's a, a trade off between getting a nice view and being stuck out, in the mm-hmm. but um, yeah, just try to as much as you can pre plan with that, and you just kind of get into that mindset whether it's bringing food there because there's bears, or that's these are just some of the things we need to adopt. And, and you're right, like right? Lightning isn't one of those things that people are that worried about, and the chances are, yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's another just another thing on the another checkbox to tick off for things to, continue. Yeah. planning the routes, planning the campsites uh, beforehand. But yeah, okay. got to a low lying area. That's the main thing, right? Just be, okay. being there. Um, yeah.
1: Okay. And, and sorry, not to fixate on this tent thing, but <laughs> I'm still trying to figure this out. So let's say your tent is in a good place mm-hmm. and you're not next to a big tree or something like that. Are you are you safer directly outside or like, you know, outside of your tent where you're not under the tent poles or is it okay to be in the lightning safety position in the tent? Like I just, <laughs> I'm still not sure if I have to be worried about my tent poles.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, t- it's metal out of the equation is always good. A good, okay. but um, yeah, I mean, you could, you could be there. It's, it's, it's an unknown. It's it's uh, yeah. it wants to do what it wants to do. Right. It's right. Um, it's, it's one of those what ifs again. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. That's fair. And so, um, is it true? I've heard that you know, if you're if you're caught in a storm, you don't want to huddle together with other people. You want to spread out, mm. and all be kind of a, a good distance from each other. Is that true? And why is that?
2: Yeah, I've seen that where they say that again. Um, I mean, you mentioned that we. How many of you were there on the on your trip?
1: There were there were three of us. Yeah. and a dog.
2: So you know, yeah, if there's a group, I mean, it's not going to really lightning's not going to pay attention to that. It's just gonna okay. be more of a, uh, okay, if it's going to hit here, then let's have one of us get hit instead of everybody. So if, okay. <laughs> that's all it is. It's it's just a, uh, um, how, come, how can we say, uh, merely limiting the number of casualties. But but you're, you're wanting to space out. I've heard 15 feet and 50 feet, maybe they're okay. lost in translation at some point because 50 is right. 15, but I, I think maybe 15 is not enough 15 feet. But as long okay. as everyone's spaced out, it just means it lessens the chances of everyone getting um,
1: incapacitated or in,
2: something. Again, in, in a situation where you're exposed. So if you had gone into the, your, uh, you know, your huddle position in the, in, in the area that you chose with others, I don't see a problem with that. It just means everyone's in a safe area. Um, okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so what are, if we could kind of go through like all of the um, features of the huddle position, Mm. Um, cause I know it's, you know, you want to be on the balls of your feet. I've heard heels off the ground. I've also heard heels touching because a current might go up one foot and through the heel and down the other foot, plug your ears, uh, so mm. that you don't like rupture your eardrums, Yeah. um, close your eyes. Like what, what are all of this what's the sort of checklist for the, the lightning, um, huddle?
2: Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. You want to be on—they say put something insulating underneath you. I mean, right. people think rubber shoes are going to do something for you. They don't. They don't. I mean, it's—that's uh, okay. the that's wheels on the road with a vehicle. If you're inside a vehicle, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, again, it's—it's it's just making the best of a bad situation. Um, but yeah, those are those are the things: being on something insulated, having your being on the balls of your feet, so you have less contact with the ground, uh, because you're right. You know, it's—it's it's like if you have a. Um, I don't know. You're on a construction site. You're you're a spotter for a crane a, a crane operator who's moving uh, hits the power line and the person inside the vehicle safe because they're grounded. But right, as long as they don't touch anything metal or get out. Uh, but then the person who's standing there again with the way that that electricity ripples out, if they uh, they're they're told to kind of shuffle backwards away from the area. Uh, and, uh, raising one foot is going to, yes, create an arc that goes right through one foot into the other and burns everything, uh, between that, those two points, uh, in, 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 inside the body. So, yeah, and that's it. And then pointing towards the, uh, downhill. Right. And really it's, it's, it's just a minor point that if you're going to end up losing your bed, it would be. Very difficult if you were on that incline to be facing up in that position. Right. You'd almost have to roll back. Yeah. So this is more a stability issue. But then if you did have to roll, then obviously being lower, then you don't want to fall up the hill. Um, That's pretty much it. But, yeah, covering your ears because it can can cause damage. Uh, Lingering problems can can come from being hit by lightning, vision, hearing, seizures, mental, cognitive impairment, all all these things. So, yeah, that's just… that's a bad situation.
1: No, and I think that's a really good point that you raise. Um I think a lot of people at at least I do when I think of, you know, getting struck by lightning, the it's very um binary to me. It's either, you know, you you are struck and it's fatal. Mm-hmm. Um which is obviously, you know, the the, the absolute worst case scenario or you're struck and, you know, maybe you have a weird, you know, like a, a a scar and, Mm. and you're okay. And you live to tell about it, but um, I guess, yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, complications from, from being struck, like, you know, that you've just mentioned. Um, Yeah. Is that, I guess, is that, is that pretty common? Do you know anything about sort of the statistics, like how many people who survive lightning strikes deal with, long-term complications or symptoms I, I
2: do know i don't know this the specific numbers or stats no i mean i do know that um less people are getting involved in these incidents mostly because of prevention and awareness okay that's the main thing otherwise you're pretty much at the mercy of i mean uh, apart from like we've been talking about through most of this is making sure that you're in that safe location as safe as location as possible. But yeah, yeah. it's it, uh, it's electrical issue. It can and you have electrical systems in your body, so it right. c- it can stop the heart. It can seize the heart. Uh, that's why you know CPR is uh is uh, something that you would want to do. Another common misconception is that uh, people think, oh, you know, this person just got zapped. Uh, if I touch them, I'm going to get electrocuted. So there's there's mm. absolutely nothing to that. I spoke earlier about how if you're in your house that uh, appliances and, and uh, those those kinds of things, we want to avoid them for 30 minutes because they still may be retaining a charge um, or static. We don't, we're not concerned with that with the, with the human body, right? Okay. People think about when someone is, and it's possible for someone to be grabbing onto a, a live wire and they're, they're kind of attached to that, that the muscles we always, uh, this is digressing a little bit when we teach sea okay. survival and things like that, when you're, when you're escaping, um, say a, a, a ship or a platform, an oil rig and this smoky conditions and whatnot, we're told to keep contact with the wall, but with the back of our hand, right? So that if oh. you come into contact with something electrical, uh, the muscles will, oh. and we don't want to have clench our, our hand or grip around, uh, the wire because we won't be able to let go right back of the hand and then, then that's fine but yeah certainly if with that kind of uh, situation if you had someone who was in that you could you could pry them off with a, with a with a wooden plank or something but in that situation you're at risk in this situation someone gets struck by lightning there's no residual electricity to affect the next person who comes to help them um and then so the cpr would be one intervention mm-hmm. par- par- or temporary paralysis could be another thing where you can't really do much about that, but um, you know, c- talking to the person and and uh, comforting them is is the main thing. Again, with missing clothes, maybe they're going to need a blanket or uh, burn. Right. Of course, is the is the other one that we're going to be concerned about uh, in treating. And, and if you see uh, maybe an entry and an exit wound in any kind of electrical situation, that uh, that's a telltale sign of a electrical burn. Wow. And then yeah, v- evaluate them and then we're looking at an obviously an evacuation and how we're going to get uh, that rolling. And again, pre-planning, do we have the, the means of communication and, uh, and so forth to do that?
1: Right. Okay. So, so, um and that's great. Like you've just addressed a question that was sort of on my list is, you know, like, what should you do if you suspect that, that somebody has been struck by lightning? So I guess first and foremost, maybe as you suggested, be, be prepared like have an exit strategy have maybe like a satellite communication device or or a or a PLB or some kind of a beacon so that you can you know be evacuated as quickly as possible absolutely and then and then maybe you mentioned CPR so having that training having maybe taking like a backcountry first aid
2: mm-hmm. or like a
1: wilderness first aid uh knowing how to you know do CPR and and that kind of thing um and then you mentioned the the exit wounds. And so basically it's just sort of like, you know, treating treating the symptoms as best you can and, and making mm-hmm. sure that somebody's heart is beating and then doing what you can to kind of yeah. get them evacuated.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah. There could be and, like the lingering issues there, like uh, vision, hearing, uh, and so forth. So right. seizures and whatnot. So that this could be an ongoing, maybe even permanent feature. So oh my goodness! Surviving uh, the situation, great, but there may be ongoing problems too. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. And so, um, I don't. I don't want to keep you for for too long, but I wanted to sort of propose some sort of specific kinds of scenarios, and 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 see what kind of advice you would give. So, let's say um, somebody is on a very, very, very long hike, and they know that for the next week they're going to be going up and over passes every day, every afternoon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what are some things that they can plan to do to to mitigate their risk of being caught up, you know, at a high elevation in a storm? Like, for example, you know, waking, waking up and, and getting on the trail really, really early if, if you're in an area where those storms are likely to sort of um, build in the afternoon or something like that.
2: Yeah, you know, day-to-day, knowing how to read the weather. Okay. Knowing how how quickly weather can change uh, in the area. Know the area, right? I know mm-hmm. I know that maybe that sounds like it's taking the fun out of it for some who just want to <laughs> visit a new place and, and, and discover it. But, you know, you have to have some kind of uh, knowledge of, of the area and the hazards that could be there so that it doesn't turn into a nightmare for all kinds of other reasons. But, yeah, right. knowing how to read the weather, how to read the clouds, you know that's that's a good uh, means of forecasting without uh, uh, if you didn't have a all uh, weather radio and that kind of thing uh, right just knowing the weather patterns like often where we do our training we do all of our training outdoors uh, as often yeah as we can, and we're actually do it do it in the valley where a lot of times if, if the if rain is forecasted often passes us by we 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 know that a lot of times that's going to happen that's why we train there but (laughs) yeah always rely on that you know what I mean it's stuff stuff happens and we're always prepared for it but we like the fact that being there often it uh, it does pass us by uh even though it's forecast so just being able to to roll with that and and on the day get up and, and and have that backup plan like okay well that's that's a shame I was really planning to go here today well i'm just going to have to adjust to plan b and and we can yeah. do the similar activity the next day
1: right, right. so so hang tight where we are yeah. um down at this you know in this example like lower elevation um and then wait until it's safe to go up up high yeah um
2: and just and i guess oh sorry no 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 go ahead
1: well no i was just going to say and i guess that's where having topographical knowledge of the area maybe having a topo map and knowing where the valleys and the ridges and, and things are, so that you can plan and you have a sense of the timing, how long it's going to take you to get up and over something, or or where you can be safe, or that kind of thing. Just knowing the landscape around you.
2: Right. Yeah, it's all part of the trip plan. What what is your what what is your means of navigating? Um, what uh, what signaling devices do you have? What is your uh, what is your plan B? Who's with you? Right. who's who's going to take uh, kind of the leadership role. If it's someone who's good at uh, map reading, then that's the person who might be able to do that. And then the whole decision-making thing, you're going to have people who maybe uh, are a little reckless thinking, hey, you know, we we spent all this money and and time and effort making this trip. I'm I'm climbing to that peak. I don't care what anyone says. I spent money on this. But then having the the leadership to say, well, you know, I have some experience in this and, you know, uh, maybe it's not a good idea. So, having that leadership uh, there. And, and that's and this comes out with first aid training or any kind of outdoor planning, whether you're a company that does it or whether you're recreating or a mix of the two, whether it's work or, or otherwise, um, you know, leadership is, is going to have to make sometimes those unpopular decisions. Uh, but, uh, you know, listening to the group, taking on board what everyone has to say.
1: Right. There's a whole mixture of interpersonal... Mm -hmm. And, and kind of technical skills, like reading clouds, reading weather, reading a topographical map or or whatever that all go into like making, making the series of decisions that'll keep you safest in a situation like that.
2: Yeah. And it all just begins with awareness, right? Like I, like I said, like stats have gone down that people are, you know, have not been subject to these kinds of incidents because of awareness or just general, general knowledge around some of these things.
1: Right. Right, absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for coming onto the show and yeah, and just sort of helping unshroud some of the mystery around <laughs> lightning and and what's best to do.
2: yeah, i hope I hope it helps. I mean, uh, yeah, get yourself on a on a first aid course, a wilderness first aid course, and um yeah, get some of that leadership training and and don't, don't let it keep you from getting out there, but uh, make sure that you can return.